The reason why you didn't learn about this when you got your degree, because the government doesn't trust us with the truth. And they're telling you, if you knew the truth, you wouldn't let us use, you know, semiconductor and LED technology like we plan to use it. Blue light was found to be addictive not by scientists, not by the military. It was actually by the mafia. That's how they started Vegas. And then the CIA took their idea to black out the windows, put one arm bandits that were blue lit and give people alcohol to lower their dopamine level to make them addicted to casinos. Then the CIA and the FBI, they started a program called MKUltra at Tulane University in the neurology department and neurosurgery department. Have you ever stopped and asked this one question? Why is it that every screen ever created is always blue lit? Now you know the answer is because it was designed to addict you to the technology. Even if you found out later on that it is a problem biologically, you would still not be able to get away. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Decentralized Radio. Today, we have a really exciting podcast lined up for you. We have the man who needs no introduction on the line, Dr. Jack Cruz, neurosurgeon, um, quantum biology pioneer, and of course, a Bitcoiner as well. Dr. Cruz, how's it going? Good. So I guess starting this, this is definitely going to be an EMF-focused podcast for everybody who's listening. And I was thinking about how to start this off, really, the last few days. And my question to you at first is, when did you realize that EMFs, non-native, of course, were kind of like the most detrimental toxin in our environment? I know you did some self-experimentation like a decade ago. There's like Yeah, but this was, this was way before that. I, the yeah. number... The number one thing that got me thinking about this was actually when I read Becker's original work when I was in residence. This is a long time ago. Uh, I'm going to say they're over 30 years ago. And when I read those uh, papers and and some of the things that he had written, the thing that stuck with me the most, because, you know, as a neurosurgeon, I was predominantly uh, a spine surgeon. So I was very interested in bone metabolism, and that's kind of how he cut his teeth. When I read the papers about how people got osteoporosis in space, I realized immediately that it broke Wolf's Law. And I thought to myself, what is different in space than is present on Earth, you know, and how does that relate to my patients on Earth? And immediately I thought about where the mere astronauts and, and the uh, NASA guys positioned the astronauts, it was outside the total protective window of the magnetosphere. And I realized right away the electromagnetic spectrum had to be tied to this story. Now, back then, I didn't know how, but through parsing through all of Becker's papers, the key, the key part is when I found out that there had to be two copper atoms electrostatically bound by van der Waal forces on the PNN type semiconductor, which was, you know, appetite and collagen. And apparently when you go up in space, that's kind of how, you know, things got popped. And that's where space osteoporosis comes from fundamentally. And then I guess it was probably 15 years ago, I got a knock on the door from NASA about a project they were working with, something called Vespa. 
And Vespa is um, a machine that they use up in space to try to prevent space osteoporosis. And they just had questions for me at that time. They didn't kind of tell me what was going on, what they were doing. But I knew from the questions that they asked me and DARPA had asked me that they were probing very deeply about non-native EMF, you know, in space and also non-native EMF on the surface of the planet. Why? Because one of the early papers that I wrote, you know, back on my free site a long time ago was was Wolf's Law, null and void now because of non-native EMF. And most orthopedic surgeons know what Wolf's Law is. It's a uh, bone is laid down in areas of stress. Why? Because bone is piezoelectric. Um, and on the opposite side of the bone, bone would get resorbed. So we use this principle when we try to heal people's bones, like when they break a bone, when um, you know we do a spine fusion, when we do anything with bone, stressing the bone generally is a good thing. But it seemed that what Becker had found in the astronauts and the cosmonauts is that the stress in space didn't matter, and that link was tied to both the magnetosphere and the spectrum of light that they were in. And that's where they came up, NASA came up with the Vespa machine. And that's kind of how it started for me. Yeah. And then that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when I read the body electric and, and read the the bone, obviously N-type, P-type, semiconductors, the diode, the copper is kind of like doping as well. And then that when that's degraded, it's leading to that kind of uh, osteoporosis. It's incredible. And I recommend everyone go read that book. The piezoelectricity as well. If you don't know what that is, it's creating or transforming mechanical energy or stress into electrical uh, DC current there. So I'm curious, once you realized this, and it seemed like kind of like 20, early 2010s, you started doing more self-experimentation. And then I believe you were very motivated once the Scott Kelly data came back. Is that because you realized things were about to change drastically in terms of EMF exposure? Yeah. I mean, you have to realize that we went from an industrial economy <clears throat> probably in the 40s through the 60s, when the industrial and military complex decided through the work that happened at the Manhattan Project that they were going to control science. And and unfortunately, Becker was caught up in that mix. Um, and you know the whole story because you've read the books. You know, when the Navy hired him to find out about, you know, the Trident subs and the nuclear subs and the antenna at Sangwood in Wisconsin, and he actually found that there was a problem you realize that all the stuff that was coming with Intel, AMD, you know, retooling the economy to an information technology, there was going to be a price to pay. Who was going to pay the price? It Ultimately, it turned out it was centralized science, which is part of the reason why, um, you know, I have such a reverence for Becker because he truly was, as far as I'm concerned, the first doctor that ever got fucking canceled completely by the industrial military complex. And- you know, people who revere the industrial military complex, of which DARPA and NASA are a part of, um, I have a problem with. Why? Because as long as they show me that they understand that where this whole project began, it's it's totally centralized and totally anti-decentralized. And, you know, you guys have told me that you're Bitcoiners, you're into decentralized science, you have a background in electrical engineering. You can understand why this is a big problem for me, because while I'm about humans understanding technology at a fundamental basis, when you know that a government that was the paradigm in power used this to pollute 
science and use it for their own benefit and not tell people the truth. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm still to the point that if the government just put warning labels on fucking EMF, I think I'd be okay with it. Why? Because then they've done their due diligence for a guy like you. Because, you know, a guy like you who's an electrical engineer, a lot of the stuff that you probably learned about through your degree doesn't fly in biology. In fact, they're incongruent. But when you read Becker's work, I guarantee you, you probably had your own aha moment go, wait a minute, there's a lot more to this story that meets the eye. And, and maybe we need to think about this. And then when you jump down the rabbit hole and you read, you know, Andrew Marino's book, who is, you know, Becker's biophysicist, and then became a lawyer to protect Becker after he outed the industrial military complex on 60 Minutes in 77 and realized what they found, that an electric power line in upstate New York was able to change the magnetosphere 80,000 kilometers above the surface of the earth. That alone, that is documented proof in congressional testimony from the early 70s, should get all of us thinking, you know, what the fuck is that iPhone doing to us in our pocket? You know, I think that's a fair question. And the fact that, you know, the standards were written as they were written for electrical engineers has actually blocked that. The reason why you didn't learn about this when you got your degree has a lot to do with the story that we just, you know, laid out because the government doesn't trust us with the truth. And they're telling you, if you knew the truth, you wouldn't let us use, you know, semiconductor and LED technology like we plan to use it. And I still don't think that's true. Why? Because as you guys know, you're young guys, uh, humans are addicted to it. You know, and I just, in El Salvador just this week, you know, had a guy who I've been working with for about five years come up with a computer that completely eliminates blue light and lowers EMF risk. Uh, the administration got to see that computer, you know, for the first time. And we told them, we said, look, when this device was shown to the people in Silicon Valley, they acted like this kid had like, uh, you know, he was an alien from another planet. And you have to understand fundamentally the reason why. Blue light uh, was found to be addictive, not by scientists, not by the military. It was actually by the mafia. That's how they started Vegas. And then the CIA took their idea to black out the windows, put one-armed bandits that were blue lit, and give people alcohol to lower their dopamine level to make them addicted to casinos, then the CIA and the FBI uh, actually did something that I think was a pretty good idea. They started a program called MK Ultra at Tulane University in the neurology department and neurosurgery department. That's right across the street from where I went to medical school, okay? LSU and Tulane are together. And they studied it and they actually found that it was true. They could do it with wire technology, you know, which is the famous you know, YouTube video that I, I don't know even know if it's still there anymore, where they showed Dr. Carlos Delgado, who's part of NKB Ultra, um, you know, controlling a bull attack on a guy with wires in his head. Then the progress continued on and they figured out they could do it wirelessly. So they started to do it wirelessly. And then magically the whole project went dark right around when Becker found out some of the work that he was doing. And these people in the Navy that Becker was interacting with, they knew about all the stuff from MKUltra. Uh, the key thing is, the most shocking part of the story for me that I've just actually told my members, because you guys know that I just met with Bobby Kennedy, to kind of lay a lot of this stuff out. Um, Bobby, I don't think, knew actually how 
the tie or the jump went from the industrial military complex to science and how it affected Becker and how it affected this blue light story, and then how it wound up in the Google patents and the meta patents for screen technology. Because ultimately, all of the science that we're talking about wound up in blue light screen. So you guys are young people. Have you ever stopped and asked this one question? Why is it that every fucking screen ever created is always blue lit? Now you know the answer is because it was designed to addict you to the technology, even if you found out later on that it is a problem biologically, you would still not be able to get away. Just think about uh, like a, uh, a heroin addict or a drug addict. You know, once you get them addicted, the addiction is really hard to break. So when Angen shows up to Google five years ago and shows them the computer that it completely eliminates blue light and flicker, and he solves some of the electrical engineering problems that you know you guys know exist like you don't know what he's done already but he does and he's already shown this you know to an administration he's already shown it to rick rubin he's already shown it you know to a lot of my friends to jack dorsey uh to actually the google patent attorney that was involved with the blue light story it should be no shock why uh those people in silicon valley wouldn't fund his event you know so the reason I brought him down here this last day, he just flew home yesterday to San Francisco, is that I wanted him to show the benefit of the technology because for your your generation, we, we need to cut the cord on EMS first. The biggest problem with EMS is blue light, okay? Then we can start fighting the battle about RF, microwaves and all that. But blue light was the attack factor of the industrial military complex and centralized computer companies. You know, I'm talking Apple, Google, they all they have all known this. And I always it makes me happy because I'm I'm probably one of the few guys you'll ever talk to that's actually happy that Steve Jobs died from his own devices. Cause I think ultimately that was a good um, how shall we say, sentence or penalty. But he was even wise enough not to let his own kids use the device. So from my standpoint, when I talk to guys like you who are smart, who have good brains, you know, you own Bitcoin, I want you to know that there's there's a there's a downside to technology. We have to learn how to use it properly. And I think what Anjan just did with his computer, the Daylight Computer Company, is it's the first step in a new world order for technology where we're building anabolic computing, meaning that your brain will not get taken apart through the non-visual system because of the blue light. Now, we still got issues to deal with with other parts of the spectrum, but you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, and this is the first step. And, and I told Anjan this when I did the the um, Q&A with my members on Sunday, when they had the, the device open to their purchase. I, I look at this step, kind of like Neil Armstrong stepping off onto the moon, that it's a huge step for us, why? because you're finally getting told the truth about this. And, you know, the cool part that I don't think a lot of people know, Tristan, you know, Anjan, his dad is a psychiatrist. His dad's one of my members. I've been a member for a long time. Anjan's not a member. Anjan just listened to my work through his dad. And Anjan actually got depressed through his tech use. He told the story, you know, when he was at Stanford University, where he actually put up bags on the window. He worked all night and never saw the day. And eventually that led to him uh, uh, almost killing himself. 
And that was, you know, from that level of depravity on himself, that's where this computer was built. Like, so you said to me, Jack, I know you did self-experimentation. So did Anjan. Anjan, in my view, probably did more self-experimentation than you could ever imagine. Why? Because he got the wisdom that the thing that he was addicted to the most and he found most interesting in his life, because that's where he got his degree in, was fucking killing him. And that insight is exactly the same type of insight that I had about my life in neurosurgery, that the things that I was using uh, to try to help patients were hurting them. Then it got worse for me because then I realized I was the fucking idiot the first, you know, probably 10 or 15 years of my medical career that I was doing things that actually harm patients instead of helping them. And the one thing you'll learn about me, when I come to that realization, I immediately change what I'm doing. I am not in this game to harm patients. I took my oath in medical school very seriously. And um, when I read Becker's work and truly understood the implications, it took me 10 or 15 years to really get it that I changed everything about my life. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. Yeah, I think everything you just said there really encapsulates the important message of exposure to all these EMFs is that, you know, we're not saying that we need to go back to the caves, right? Like this isn't even a realistic thing. It's just if we understand why they're detrimental and people actually uh, embrace that, it's not swept under the rug from the government, which is why I get so frustrated, especially with like Bitcoiners and other people who are, you know, they're they're not vaccinated. They're questioning big pharma. They're questioning the government. But then I'm like, yeah, EMFs. And they're like, what are you talking about? That they're fine. You know, you just, we just answered the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The technology. Yeah. They're addicted. And the Trust warning. Me, I, go, I go into a clubhouse room all the time with these Bitcoiners and every single one of them are addicted to the technology. They don't even realize by being in clubhouse, they're addicted to it. Yeah. Ryan, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I loved everything that Jack just said because it encompasses what I think the real issues are around these problems specifically for like our generation and and the, the even the younger generations. I always talk about my two-year-old niece who has an iPad and I think it's insane that she's dragging this thing around. You see the psychological changes that happen almost immediately when they get these things in front of them. It's instant addiction. It's wild. See, Ryan, that's the, that's the thing I worry about because people don't realize the unmyelinated brain is much more sensitive through non-visual photoreceptive destruction uh, very, very quickly. And that's the key metric. You, you could destroy a brain faster with light than you can with drugs. And, you know, when I say something like that, people think it's hyperbole and it's not. Uh, the, the data now backs this up. And just think about it. You're a two-year-old niece. Uh, they live in a, in a time where kids are now killing themselves at record rates. And, you know, magically, everybody says, oh, well, it, it couldn't be the iPad. You know, and I told Angie this, just when we did, you know, the podcast this weekend, I said, dude, your target market is all humans, but really any parent that owns an iPad should immediately switch out to his tablet. Why? Because technically it's a huge step in the right advantage. Doesn't mean that there's no RF and no microwaves coming from it, but dude, you're eliminating the biggest fucking problem. Um, and then I think when we get to step two, you know, when we come out the mTOR 
uh, tablet. And when we come out with the mTOR laptop, which he's already got prototypes for, um, when we start to add in healing frequencies like 380, you know, and we're taking the options into account, like then I, there may even come a day, I almost hesitate to tell you guys this, that tech addiction may extinguish itself. In other words, Jack may say, I'm okay with your screen time now, you know, because you've got infrared and UVA added back into it so that you guys can continue to go. Because, I mean, Tristan and, and Ryan, my main concern is this world is yours. You know, I'm at the end of my life, the end of my career, and I want to see your guys' brains really change the world 25, 30 years from now and change some of the laws. I mean, I'm trying to change some of the laws right now in El Salvador. I think I'm going to be successful at doing that. But I have no illusions that I'm not going to change the laws in the United States in the next five, six, seven years. I mean, maybe with the help of Bobby Kennedy and him taking some of my ideas on his platform, great. But again, I still don't think it's going to be Bobby being able to do that with Congress the way it is now because they're all captured. But do I think that maybe one of you guys will run for president someday and say, fuck it, we're doing this. We're, we're going to. We're going to make this part of the platform. We're not going to fucking worry about abortion, which is fucking ridiculous. This is something that's ubiquitously hurting everybody across the board. It affects the way they think. It affects the way their brain works. This is the reason why we have, you know, militant ideologies all over the world. And we don't realize it. And we don't realize it because the industrial military complex is hidden from us for their own gain, you know, since the 40s, 50s and 60s. Yeah, I think it's a multi-generational thing. And a lot of Bitcoiners say this as well. It's just going to take time, especially in the United States. And and I think that as well. But it's really sad. And why I get so passionate about this is the children, how susceptible and, you know, more affected they are by EMFs. And just think of that mitochondrial DNA damage, like generation over generation. It's almost a self-balancing mechanism, kind of in a cynical way, really sad way. But yeah, I'm excited to see RFK talk more about it, um, you know, on the children's health defense, suing the FCC. Like, this is great stuff. I think we can do way more there. But the number one thing is just, I don't think people just understand why EMFs are bad for our health. And even though there's manufacturing warning labels on all technology that nobody ever reads, keep it, you know, never on your body at a distance. If you look into the testing, it's all scam. But something that you can lay out really well uh, and that we now know a lot more about is exactly why EMFs are so bad for our health. In the time of Becker, Marino, it was, you know, stress. It was, you know, change in blood markers and things like that. Very high level. Since then, we've gotten to, you know, calcium influx, voltage gated, calcium channel activation, disruption of the gut, brain, uh, you know, barriers, blood barriers. They're often mentioned, but obviously we all know that there's a lot more to that. And that we've discussed on this show as well with, with Carrie Bennett and just between us, that it's really all about water and semiconductors, as you mentioned. So maybe let's lay out for the listeners exactly why EMFs are so bad for our health. Well, believe it or not, a lot of these studies that you talked about actually occurred in Becker's day. Like the one I'm thinking mm-hmm. about on calcium ion uh, frequency was done by Abe Lippman in 1970. And he's the one that prove that calcium ion uh, resonance was the source problem in a mitochondria. So evolution for 3.8 billion years has been driven by one octave of the electromagnetic spectrum specifically, which is visible light with one addition. 
the Schumann resonance, which you guys know is ultra weak radio waves at 7.83 hertz. But that fundamentally comes also from the sun, from the solar, from the solar wind. Why? Because of the interaction with the uh, the magnetosphere and the aurora. This is the reason why we have electrical discharges in the ionosphere at high latitudes, but at low latitudes, like where I am, we get massive electrical storms that build up, you know, um, the effect of grounding here compared to up there. The grounding that's occurring up there is actually in the ionosphere, and you see it through the aurora colors, but it's always a story of light. And then you realize that the uh, calcium efflux then directly ties to how voltage-gated channels work on membranes. Then you begin to realize, okay, we need to talk about the Hall currents. We need to talk about uh, reverse bias currents, all the things that Becker started to talk about. And you start to see that biologic semiconductors fail different ways than CMOS chips. But guess what? Uh, they fail in very, very novel ways. And for example, I, I actually have an uh, aerospace engineer in my house right now. He's actually listening to this. I asked him a question last night that I've been thinking about for a long time. And I believe the way silicon chips fail that are in LEDs that we use fail in a different mode than biologic ones. And let me explain this. One thing that biologic chips and, and uh, I guess manufacturing chips have in common is that LEDs have long shelves lives. So if you think about what Becker's work was when he, he showed that bone emits, you know, brown, red light, you know that human bone has a lifespan of 70, 80, 90 years. Not even LED bulbs have it that long. So I got to thinking, what would what would be the failure mode, you know, in a biologic chip versus, um, you know, a metal oxide that you'd find in a standard LED? And I think the answer is found in the benzene ring that we use. Uh, and I've been looking at chemistry for probably 10 years. There's a a new paper that just got published literally yesterday. That's what stimulated my question to the aerospace engineer. And you guys know who he is, it's Michael Shapiro. Um, and I think the way we fail is we actually fail in the EMF standpoint. And let me explain that to you. In the beginning of this podcast, I told you what Becker found in space, that two copper atoms blew out of their pits and that knocked off you know, collagen and appetite. I actually think that's how biologic semiconductors fail. And here's the funny part. What's the process that controls all the opsins, all the biologic semiconductors that I talked about with Huberman on Rick's podcast? It's actually the ubiquitin system in biology. Ubiquitination is how proteins get marked for re replacement. And remember what I said in that podcast is that all proteins uh, are designed to have huge self-lives. In other words, they're semiconductive. That idea came from Albert St. Georgie in 1941, and Becker proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt in the 50s. But one thing that nobody's really talked about is the failure mode of tech chips and us. And I think non-native EMF is the key, meaning that any other part of the spectrum that biology is not optimized to creates the failure mode. And I think that failure mode is an electronic failure mode. That's something, Tristan, that you probably would know a little bit more about because most LED chips fail in the electronic mode due to oxidation. I think that that occurs in biology, but I think we're marking our semiconductors much earlier for replacement. If you know anything about thermodynamics, 
um, which I'm sure you do, you know that biology is all about low cost thermodynamics, meaning to the body. And if you think about the brain being an energy hog, uh, it makes sense that something like bone would have to work, work on a low uh, energy system. And that's the reason why bone is not, not uh, due to be replaced as often as, say, gut tissue. And I think that electronic um, failure mode with ubiquination is key. Why? Because every ubiquitin bond uses carbon and nitrogen, and that requires five ATP. It's very, very expensive. So this is the fundamental reason that you get, I think, from understanding LED lights that they last a really long time. I think our biologic semiconductors are built to last literally 10x those. And I think the difference is the failure mode is the key. And I think EMFs, the stuff you guys want to talk about today, is the number one way that biologic semiconductors fail. I don't think it's like a CMOS chip that you would see, like, say, in a red LED light. Um and I think part of that reason has to do with how uh, ions at the atomic level are moved in space. And I don't think it's just straightforward ROS and RNS. Do I believe that those things do cause a problem? I do, but I don't think that's the real big issue. And I've never felt that way. And I don't think that centralized science, especially like in electronics and photonics is at the level that I'm thinking. But this paper that I tweeted out about this morning, this was the first paper that I actually read yesterday that got me thinking about that. And then when I asked Shapiro what I asked him, the answer he gave me was the standard centralized scientific answer. And it, that made me realize, and I was thinking about this all night. Not, I didn't even realize you guys were talking to me today, to be honest with you. And I'm kind of glad we're talking about this. Because as I'm talking about it, it's forcing me to think a little bit more about it. Um, I think this is the area that we need to focus in on, on non-native EMF toxicity. I think if we think that failure modes are the same as they are in stuff that we can buy off the shelf in a photonic store or an electronic store, I think we're doing biology a disservice. Uh, and I think the failure modes are going to be different. And... I also think that if you understand the difference between um, what's present in nature, like I'm going to give you the, the name of the chemicals that this paper is about. They're called acenes, A-C-E-N-E-S. And basically they're benzene rings that are put together. And the longer they are, the more colors they emit. The interesting thing is the longer they are, the more sensitive they are to temperature and light and oxygen. So I want you to think about that for a minute. That's radically different than what biology does, because you know that all of our biologic semiconductors, like let's take the ones that I like to talk about, the ones made from palm seed, the ones made from melatonin, the ones made from tyrosine and phenylalanine, like melanin, uh, they have short polymer windows of their photon trap. They're, they're decidedly different. And not only that, they also have different absorption spectrums and emission spectrums. They don't need to be stacked together. And it seems like nature has rejected acene biology for biologic use. But the interesting thing is, if you break down acenes to their one benzene ring, like take a look at cholesterol and then look at vitamin D, how there's one double bond change and we open up the second ring utilizing UVB light, like there's a lesson there to learn. And it turns out 
that 312 nanometer light from the sun does that. Um, the interesting thing, no other frequency of light does that. In other words, it's almost like the sun has selected out the chemicals for us to use. You know, and I think when you get that idea in your head, then you begin to say, this is the reason why non-native EMF is a real problem. Because effectively, when you bring the other 72 octaves of the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, to bear, then you begin to realize some of the things that flummoxed, you know, Uberman. Like people don't realize melanopsin is everywhere in our body because fucking blue light is used everywhere in our body to signal. Okay. So what do you think would happen to endogenous signaling when you live in an exogenous world filled with blue light? I mean, to me, that is ultimate molecular fucking chaos. But the perspective that I just gave you guys, that's decidedly not present in centralized medicine. It's certainly not present in technology, but I don't even think it's it's present in quantum biology, which is why this paper really, I've been thinking about it for 36 hours. And I think some of the stuff that I probably would have told you if I didn't read this paper, I would have I would have just placed it just at non-native EMF with calcium flux and probably voltage gated channels and left it at that. Now I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think that when we go outside the visible spectrum, we are actually are guaranteed to create molecular chaos and that has huge implications for how, you know, engineers will design circuits in the future. Why? Because I think you guys all learn about CMOS design. I think it's time that you have to learn about how carbon does it with water. And it turns out, one of the things that Shapiro said to me that made total sense, because it makes sense now why biology does what it does, most LEDs are damaged by thermal inefficiencies. What does water do? It absorbs all frequencies of light, especially best in the infrared A range, you know, from 600 to 3100. But this is the reason why you can put huge amounts of thermal energy into water and it just absorbs it all in the water. It takes a long time for temperatures to raise. You don't believe me, go to Destin, Florida, say in, in May or June, the water's still fucking 65 degrees. It only gets to 90 degrees when it's August and September when the sun is beating on it for two or three months. Um, and that kind of tells me that water is the key to ubiquitin marking in biologic semiconductors. And you guys know, since you're electrical engineers, you drop your iPhone in the toilet, it's not going to fucking work right away. So the design is different. And that tells me that the failure modes have to be different. And I think we need to start talking about that a little bit more. I kind of wish guys like Andrew Marino weren't retired, but who knows, maybe you guys become and take up this fight. Because I actually think this is the area where we take the FCC uh, and the 1996 law to the woodshed um, about non-native EMF. And maybe that's how we convince, you know, the Bitcoiners, you know, on Twitter and Clubhouse, you know, to stop being so ignorant and arrogant that they're trusting the government on this stuff when they really should be questioning the government. Are you self-employed or a small business owner and are tired of paying hundreds of dollars a month to centralized health insurance companies for minimal coverage because there is no alternative? Well, I have good news for you. There is. And this podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a more decentralized alternative to health insurance, and it uses community and crowdfunding to help its members pay for emergencies when they do happen. They incentivize and prioritize health and personal responsibility, 
and share the thought that you should really only be using the centralized healthcare system when emergencies do happen. This is what I am on board with, and I have personally signed up for CrowdHealth since I left the corporate engineering world and the medical benefits that come with it. If you want to learn more, you can check out our episode with CEO and founder Andy Schoonover, or you can head over to joincrowdhealth.com and use code DRADIO, D-R-A-D-I-O, when you sign up to get a discounted rate of only $99 for the first three months. Centralized healthcare is one of the biggest issues in our society today, and I really love what CrowdHealth is doing to provide an alternative for people who care. That's definitely my mission. And I think, yeah, what you said, semiconductors, it's typically from what I've seen, it's, you know, it's the drive, the high um, amount of uh, heat or, or just driving components, like kind of to their threshold, um, switching, power switching areas and and things like that. That usually ends the lifetime. And you mentioned that pushing the thermal aspects because they're not, they're not surrounded by water. They're not the proteins that are hydrated in our body, like the biological semiconductors that we use. And I think that's important for everyone to know as well. That's kind of what Jack is is talking well, about. Here. I'm, I'm going to tell you the other thing that I want. I don't want to. I want to be crystal clear on this. The other thing that Becker found that nobody seems to really know is that the current, the DC current that he found in cells, is extremely small. Yeah, picofarads, right? Like it's so low. So think about that. What we just said that nature's telling you she has very little tolerance for thermal damage, and if that's in fact the case, everybody who's not a moron knows that when you put a cup of hot water into our microwave, what does it do? Makes it hot. So that gets us to the other part of EMF. Do different parts of the spectrum cause different modes of failure? And I think the answer to that is absolutely. I mean, we know from the NTP toxicity study, you know, released on November 1st in 2018, that RF causes all kinds of crazy cancers in nocturnal mammals. That was paid for by the federal government, it was the 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 results were re-looked at three times by three different sets of, of scientists, some that were hired guns by industry, but also others that weren't. And all of them agreed that there's clearly an effect in the RF range. Well, we know that every device that's made uses RF and microwaves at some level. So I think after we slay the dragon of blue light, then I think we got to take up the idea around RF and microwaves, because those are the next things we use. And obviously in my world, um, the main thing that I use in terms of RF is probably MRIs, because we use RF pulses, you know, to create T1 and T2 images. But the one that I'm probably the most concerned about that we use in spine surgery that we're making a really big mistake on is x-ray and the use of fluoroscopy. Why? Because that's even stronger than the UV range. And the... The modus operandi right now, in at least in neurosurgery, for endovascular surgery, for aneurysms, and also minimally invasive spine surgery, is people are using more x-ray time to make smaller incisions and then go to the public and say, by the way, this is minimally invasive surgery, when truthfully, from an electromagnetic spectrum uh, perspective, it's fucking maximum type of surgery. Why? Because when I was a young doctor, I could do the same operation through an open incision, much bigger but I only did one or two x-rays. I didn't use a fluoro machine. Now you have to use fluoro when you're putting in things percutaneously or when you're doing things angiography, you know, through the groin or through the brachial artery, you know, to coil an aneurysm. And the problem is nobody in centralized 
medicine is talking about this. You know, like when I go and fix a fracture on an old lady and I do a kyphoplasty or a vagiroplasty, I've got to use x-rays to do that over a period of time. What are those x-rays doing to those two copper atoms that we talked about before? Like nobody is studying this. And yet Becker wrote the paper close to 50 years ago, actually over 50 years ago. And we act like this shit doesn't matter. And then when you layer that on, okay, this old person is now using an iPad to check their stocks every day, you know, and then, you know, they're sitting in front of a, a Samsung TV with an LCD uh, display that's fucking blowing their, their redness out. Um, how does this affect their bone density? Are these things linked? I think the obvious answer is they are. But if you don't talk about it and you don't talk about it from a scientific basis, you know, it sounds like it's hyperbole. Like I mentioned to Bobby on the podcast we did with Rick, I said this question and I like repeating this question because I think it's, it's one of the things everybody needs to think about. What's the difference between fact and fiction? Fiction has to make sense. The truth doesn't. And that gives the industrial military complex and industrial healthcare deniable plausibility. Why? Because if you're missing big parts of the story, they can brand you as conspiracy theorists when you're really not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, you're operating on uh, less data that's out there. But the interesting thing is what you're saying makes total sense because you're able to fill in the gaps of understanding and kind of like that's what we're talking about today. Me bringing up that paper about acines and the fact that you can, the more uh, polymer chain of benzenes are there, you can actually change the color just by doing that. Normally, when in physics, when we think about color change, what do we all, all automatically think? We think of frequency change in light, don't we? Yeah, wavelength. Right. This is a totally different way of thinking about things. And when I read this paper, I immediately thought about cholesterol. I thought about melatonin. I thought about melanin, thought about melanopsin. I thought about the ring structures. And I said, you know what? The key to this is how they fail. And as biologic semiconductors fail, the emission spectrum, the biophotons they release also has to change. Could that be fundamentally where chronic disease really is coming from? I think the answer to that is probably yes. Now, people listening to this podcast may say, Tristan, Ryan, and Jack are engaging in, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, especially if they're from Motorola, but I don't know if we are. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's really important to just lay it out at a high level. And for me, you know, as an engineer, I just think about all this stuff. It's inputs to the system. It's what are you getting? You know, if you affect the inputs to the system, the output's going to be altered as well. And there are other things, you know, creating dysfunction in the system. And you're talking about these benzene rings, these, you know, photon traps, really. And when it clicked for me, I actually was, you know, talking to Michael A. Crawford, who's the DHA expert, who is fantastic. He just wrote a paper basically saying how we see visual light in such accuracy is through that, you know, quantized information transfer from a photon to an electron. And that's, I think, what people really need to understand is that that's how, that's how the input signal is being distorted. Like we're actually programmed every single wavelength of the frequency, as you say, is like a specific instruction. And when it clicked for me, that was like, that was, that was strong. That was so important. I'm glad you said this because I'm going to tell you, this is the reason why on social media so many times I say, look, they always want me to dumb the message down. I'm like, look, you dumb the message down. You're going to miss all of this stuff. And if you miss this, you miss the whole fucking story. And that's why I say you got to elevate your game to understand that the input for this system is light 
and electrons and protons. So you got to come to my level to kind of understand really what's functionally going on, you know, below the cell level where information processing and transfer is occurring. Yeah, it's it's hard because that's, you know, at the sub subatomic particle level. But if you think about it as just a system, I think it's really easy and we're just getting all the wrong input signals. Um, but that that's kind of how I think about it. And I think that there's needs to be more research in the space and and that's how we we have to go about it. We're just, you know, about water in general. Pollock, you know, Pollock doesn't even have the funding to do research on EMFs affecting EZ, but he was recently on uh, Kira's podcast, The Health Standard said uh, that EMFs collapsed the EZ like completely. It's no surprise, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I talked to Bobby about this at the end. I think, it, well, the way it was edited, it was in the beginning of the Rick podcast. But funding for NIH money is done on purpose this way. This is how the industrial military complex controls science. This goes all the way back to General Groves. He learned a lesson at the Manhattan Project. And he said, if you can control what they study, you can control the methodology and what the output of science is. And it's kept a focus on RNA and DNA in the literature when what we really need to do is fund mitochondrial DNA research. You're never going to get these answers until you start studying the right genome. And right now, they've got us focusing on the wrong genome by design. Why? Because it keeps you in the dark. It keeps you thinking that guys like me, guys like Becker, we're the conspiracy theorists when it really turns out. The people that are controlling the purse strings, they're the fucking conspiracy theorists. Yeah, and and Becker like stated all the way back then that academia is captured, right? And he yeah took he he put his reputation, he took the the downfall for that, and that's something I'm actually actively working on, trying to create a platform where we can donate a good amount of money. We'll put it into Bitcoin and then build up wealth and then donate it to folks like Pollock. That's what I want to do. But people, you know, need to realize that there's a stopping point and that we're we're not getting the funding we need for this kind of stuff, and that you need to have this kind of mindset to put these puzzle pieces together. I think we can all agree that scientific research has been captured. That's why I'm so excited to launch Decentralized Health, my new platform that will host decentralized health education and give back to the scientific researchers who are being neglected by the centralized funding sources and can no longer fund areas of interest that are free, low cost and accessible to all of society. I'm kicking off the decentralized health platform by launching my first course on EMFs. EMF 101 contains over six and a half hours of educational content that anybody can digest so they understand exactly what EMFs are, why they're detrimental to our health, what you can do about it. And if you're listening to this podcast with Dr. Cruz, Ryan and myself and feel a bit overwhelmed by the technical information, it'll be a perfect resource for you to take a deeper dive on EMFs and then come back and listen to this and you'll have a way better understanding. I'm really excited because I'm going to take 20 to 30% of all course and educational content sales on the decentralized health platform and put it into Bitcoin and hold it in a fund that will then be donated to researchers and labs of our choosing in the decentralized health community that are being screwed over by the centralized funding sources such as the NIH. Things like EMFs, water, deuterium, sunshine are all not receiving enough funding because they have a terrible ROI. This is what it's all about. 
providing education that empowers and also giving back to the research community so we can prove that our logical health interventions actually work. I'm really excited to offer a 10% discount to everybody who's listening to this podcast for the EMF 101 course. Go to decentralizedhealth.io and use code CRUSE10 at checkout. That's K-R-U-S-E 10 at checkout at decentralizedhealth.io. I will also link the course in the podcast notes. Thanks so much for listening. And let's get back to this invigorating conversation with Dr. Jack Cruz. But I want to get back to the input signals, right? Because you talked a little bit about RF um, and then the visible spectrum and then x-rays. So people often say, just playing devil's advocate here, that, you know, input signal we're designed for visible light, infrared, UV is higher energy photons than RF and way higher energy, of course, than ELF. So why should that be a problem then if, uh, you know, they're, they're not as high of energy, they're only causing non-thermal or heating, minor heating effects? Yeah, and that's, that's the, uh, the whole argument that the government has raised. And here's the thing. I, I try to focus people immediately on Rutger Weaver's work in the 60s on the Schumann resonance. Realize the Schumann resonance 7.83 hertz. Every living thing that has a brain, its alpha wave is linked to that resonance. Realize that that is created by the interaction of the solar wind and the magnetosphere, and then it gets discharged through magnetic field lines that are present in the Earth, and those things are discharged either through the ionosphere or the ground. So if you don't think that the extreme low frequency part of the electromagnetic spectrum is capable of causing disease, and I'll explain to you, Tristan, why I think this offends the modern people, but doesn't offend boomers like me. See, this is why you need some boomers. Back in the day, before we had these fancy cars, we used to have AM radio stations, and we could drive underneath a power line, and all we'd hear is white noise in terms of sound. And guess what? That's exactly what non-native EMF is doing to the alpha wave that's generated in your thalamus. So let's put it this way. Without the alpha wave in your thalamus, what has modern circadian biology found? You can't sleep. So let's do a hard stop because now I'm going to ask you and Ryan a question. You guys are young. How many of your friends have problems sleeping? All of them. Literally right. all of them, besides so, Ryan. <laughs> so yeah. the argument that your friends just gave you, realize that the Schumann resonance, you're an electrical engineer, so you can back me up on this. It operates exactly like an FM radio station, okay? So you need to realize that non-native EMF interferes with that communication stack, okay? So I've written blogs, I think it was Quantum Engineering 46, 47, 48, that actually lays out how that electromagnetic FM antenna is built between the thalamus, water, and the sun and the earth, like in detail. So when people say that the low end of the electromagnetic spectrum is not capable, it's because the industrial military complex has put the idea in your head. The only way to fail is thermally. That's why I asked the question I did to Shapiro last night, because I know that that's the dominant idea out there, but I don't think that's the truth. And the point that I try to make to people is I think every single part of the electromagnetic spectrum creates a different failure mode for a biologic semiconductor. In fact, let's talk about the high-end one that we just mentioned um, with x-rays. People fail to realize that we have single and double-stranded 
um, uh, programs epigenetically designed to fix DNA problems. This is the reason why, you know, and most people don't know this, when you have a cloudy day out uh, and there's lots of clouds, like say there is right now in Iceland, do you know that more cosmic radiation gets in extraterrestrially to the earth? So people are bombarded more by x-rays all the way up to gamma rays in that situation. But yet nobody in Iceland is dying from that. Why? Because it turns out that radiation load that we get is hormetic for biology. Why? It stimulates DNA repair. In other words, biology's figured out how to live with that type of radiation. Why? Because it's present on Earth. Now, the corollary to that is has biology adapted yet to RF and microwave use 24-7? The answer is no. It hasn't had the time to do that. And what is the key metric that we're seeing in your generation and as Ryan said, his two-year-old niece, is that nobody can sleep. In fact, I'll tell you the funniest story. When I met with President Bukele, I brought all my EMF gear with him to his house. And the first thing he said to me is, Jack, I can't sleep. And dude, I just showed him the spectrum of the LEDs in his house, that alone. And I said, just think about this alone. And of course, that's when he said to me, where's my blue blocking glasses? I said, dude, I didn't even know I was meeting with you, but he has them now. And the, the point that I also made to him is, that the electricity coming out of his wall is also a problem. Why? Because the standards here for electric grounding and electric cir circuits is wildly variable. And you know that as an electrical engineer, that a place like this that doesn't have you know, any codes or standards, there, there's, there's going to be fucking dirty electricity everywhere. And does dirty electricity also cause a failure mode to a biologic semiconductor. Yeah, why? Let's make it make sense of it. Every single non-native EMF, what does it functionally cause? Causes hypoxia. The method of hypoxia is different. It could be from dehydration, like you just mentioned with Pollock's work. It could be from dielectric collapse, which is exactly what Pollock intimated to you in your discussion with him. But could the collapse be another way? Well, let's go to David Sinclair's paper in 2013 from Cell and Molecular Biology, where he said it's kind of funny when you have uh, low amounts of oxygen in a cell, NADH, the cycling collapse at cytochrome 1. It, is this a clue that maybe non-native EMF has multiple failure modes through biologic semiconductors? I have been pounding the table, dude, for 10 years, telling you that's exactly what's going on. I don't think there's one failure mode. I think there's multiple, and I think each part of the spectrum, I'm even going to say something even more controversial. I think within a band of light, meaning let's just say infrared A light from 600 to 1,000 nanometer, I think there's detrimental frequencies in that. Most of it is helpful, but do I think there's frequencies even in infrared A light that are a problem for cells, which is one of the reasons I'm concerned about some of the clowns that are in the photobiomodulation space. They're not fucking smart enough to make those decisions for you. Are you self-employed or a small business owner and are tired of paying hundreds of dollars a month to centralized health insurance companies for minimal coverage because there is no alternative? Well, I have good news for you. There is. And this podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a more decentralized alternative to health insurance, and it uses community and crowdfunding to help its members pay for emergencies when they do happen. They incentivize and prioritize health and personal responsibility. 
and share the thought that you should really only be using the centralized healthcare system when emergencies do happen. This is what I am on board with, and I have personally signed up for CrowdHealth since I left the corporate engineering world and the medical benefits that come with it. If you want to learn more, you can check out our episode with CEO and founder Andy Schoonover, or you can head over to joincrowdhealth.com and use code DRADIO, D-R-A-D-I-O, when you sign up to get a discounted rate of only $99 for the first three months. Centralized healthcare is one of the biggest issues in our society today, and I really love what CrowdHealth is doing to provide an alternative for people who care. Yeah, well, it's spot on and something that it really made a lot of sense to me because in, in the engineering world, it's called electromagnetic interference, EMI. When you're designing chips, I was in DC-DC switching converters. This is all we cared about. We can't switch a one megahertz. It's an AM band. So to me, like all the low frequency stuff, when I realized how much of our biology functions at low frequencies, you know, eight to 10 hertz for brain waves. And I think you've talked about cell communication is at that same level, um, you know, mitochondrial oscillations and things. It's all like yeah. in the low frequency 100, range, right? 100, uh, 100 hertz. That's so, what we found from uh, Megan McManus's work, who was a protege of Dr. Doug Wallace. Yeah. So that's all EMI, right? To me, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing I, I'm not going to lie. I don't enjoy about the EMF space is they don't agree on anything. And I'm like, guys, it's it's the whole thing. We all, you know, I want to ask you, right, what's worse for us? It's kind of a trick question. Is it ELF or RF? But they're they're bad for us in different ways, kind of how you just outlined. And right, exactly. to me, it's, it's you remember, really important. You remember, Tristan, I'm going to interrupt you here for a minute. Oh, you're good. You remember, me as a, a doctor, my job is to do no harm. Uh, I'm going to tell you how each one of these interact with biologic systems. I think the real key to understanding this, realize that the OPSIN system, the non-visual photoreceptors, to me, are the best way to study this because I think that's where people are going to start to get my perspective on things. Uh, The way in which that failure mode happens, we have to come to a fundamental understanding of actually what cells are really doing with the input data from light and photons and electrons, like you said when you talk to Crawford, it turns out that mitochondrial metabolism creates a biophoton spectrum. That biophoton spectrum needs to be found when we find somebody to recapitulate the work of Fritz Papa, do it inside a cell so that we know what frequencies are really important inside of a cell. Because right now, that is our big black box. We don't know that. The one thing you can infer, though, if you know the spectral frequencies, both emission and absorption, of biologic semiconductors, boy, that gives you a big fucking clue, really what's going on. And do I believe when you do that, do I think like NAD positive fails at a different mode than FADH at cytochrome 2? The answer is yes. One is a fluorophore protein. The other one is a, a blue light chromophore. Uh, do I think those biologic modes fail differently? I absolutely do. Do I think certain frequencies are worse than others? Yeah. Do I think people that get riboflavin deficiency uh, are fundamentally in a different place. I think those people are going to be more European-based, not in the United States. Why? Because I think the power system that we have in the States is at 60 hertz. The one in Europe is at 50 hertz. It oscillates at the second harmonic. That causes damage at the FAD level, but it doesn't cause damage at, at NAD positive. That's what makes this shit so difficult for people to understand Someone like you who gets it because of your work in EMI, you have to realize, why am I a problem for 
guys like Huberman, guys like, you know, Peter Adia, uh, you know, Sean Baker, all of them, because they don't realize that this system has high fidelity and high specificity. And when you take out, you know, information transfer at a fundamental level, you know, this goes straight to Claude Shannon's work. Dude, if the information proper doesn't get through, the cell creates molecular chaos. That's where chronic disease comes from. Yeah, I'm glad I almost don't have to unlearn anything either with a biology background. It makes kind of learning that piece a, a bit more challenging. But yeah, now I actually recently realized that you can calculate the band gaps from, or you can theoretically estimate the band gaps from the absorption spectra, which right. is available for all these. Um, well, Tristan, I said that to Huberman on the podcast and looking at him, it looked like I was looking at a deer in the headlights when I saw it. It looked like I was saying <laughs> something that was foreign, but, and I know that he wasn't trained that way, but remember his dad is a dense matter physicist. He should have at least heard this in a conversation somewhere. You know, like when I say this on a podcast, people look at me like I've got an eye in the middle of my forehead. But that's actually how you tell about that. When I did the Palestra Health event, the first time I actually met with the Bukele administration, one of the kids that was there was a big pediatrician. And he asked me fundamentally, why do you think Ray Pete was wrong? And why did you say some of the things you said when he died? I said, dude, you don't know that I met with Ray Pete for two weeks over a decade ago to tell him what I just told you, Tristan, and he still fucking rejected it. Why? Because it went against his paradigm of biochemistry belief that everything that he believed is controlled by light. And all the things that he's written, all the things that you know people have in his website, people don't want to think that that was useless work. I'm not saying it's useless, but if you don't understand it without the absorption and emission spectra, I said to them, if you want to know why Pete's wrong, just look at the absorption and emission spectras and you'll get the fucking answer. If you want to keep drinking, you know, orange juice every fucking day, those two copper atoms are not going to stay on your P&N semiconductor when you're 50, 60, 70 and 80 years old. Yeah. Gee, and he was drinking that in Mexico and people in Colorado think it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, boy. Love, yeah. love the Peters, but he just didn't go deep enough, really. And and it's hard. I mean, you can't blame someone either. If you don't know what you don't know, and then you're in your well, third. I'm, you know, Tristan, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I blamed him because I met with him. Yeah, and, that's yeah. true. If he, You need I, to consider I, it, at least, if he met with you. Yeah. I, well, I met with him and Link. And, and mm -hmm. Link was very, very interested in what that's I had to cool. say. He had no fucking interest at all. That's sad. Uh, Gilbert Link, yeah. That's cool. Well, I want to get into a little of the RF as well, because... You know, you you did a lot of podcasts pre-COVID on 5G, and yep. now we're in full force. Even in Wyoming, there's 5G. It's terrible. So even in my 2,000-person town, I, you know, can't escape it. So I got to buy a, a plot of land somewhere else. But you know, how? Why is 5G so bad compared to other spectrums? Because this is a whole debate. And obviously, I'm, I'm very familiar. You're the person. I think you're the perfect guy to answer this question. Why? Because you're the electrical engineer that knows how they they engineered the wavefront. Yeah. The wavefront yeah. Is absolutely an alien from the Crab Nebula. It, it doesn't resemble anything that is present on Earth. Yeah, it's pulsed. It's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, digital um it's it's really bad and that's how a lot of the electronics are working as well you know people need to get into just looking up like pulse width modulation and things like that it's the pulsing of the signal you just, you yeah. just answered the question yeah yourself. well i want to military complex wants it this way because 
that's what their goal is. But the thing is, when you're in between it, and let's get to the real crux of the issue for the audience. I know you know this. I'm sure Ryan knows it. But here's the key. With 5G, the tower has to be closer to fucking you. Yeah. And now, whose law is that? That's the inverse square law. So how do you really biohack 5G? The only way. It's not fucking crystals. It's not somebody's supplement. It's not somebody's stupid fucking idea of putting something on your cell phone. Harmonizers. That's it. You, what you need to do is you need to get away from the point source. That is the hack. It's the inverse square law. It's hardcore physics. It's not fucking conspiracy theory. Get the fuck away from it. Well, that's what I get into, right? Because the, you know, the agreement, understanding, co- collective knowledge in physics and frequencies is that higher frequency equals less of uh, uh, penetration, right? So 5G is safer because it penetrates less. But then I don't know if you're familiar with the whole like Bill Curry, Florida school um, study where they basically hired a physicist to evaluate if, you know, EMFs are bad for their school, for their children. And he said that the higher the frequency as we got up in the gigahertz realm, the more absorption actually. So even though it's penetrating not as deep, it was a being absorbed by tissue um, at a higher percentage. It? And that was like the New York Times and Post was like, this guy's totally wrong. Like your TV right. is more dangerous and all this shit. But do you know why Why that in fact is true? It's because of water and melanin. Melanin absorbs all frequencies of the electromagnetic spectrum. And water also is a huge electromagnetic capacitor. So it makes total sense. But here's the part of the story that I don't know if you know. Uh, if you follow my work long enough, you, I do know you've heard it. 5G is a story of topology. So guess what? We are made of topologic, biologic semiconductor. So guess what? It turns out surface changes are way more important than what's going on deep in the tissue. And if you think about it, how will we evolve? We were evolved to absorb EMF from the sun through our exteriors into our interiors. So the topology of waveforms that communication people use this, this to me has completely flown by everybody because 5G really is a story of broken topology. That brings in, you know, the physics of, you know, aperiodic crystals. That brings in uh, Penrose and Penrose's work and why he just won a Nobel Prize. This is hardcore physics, but the industrial military complex knows that Tristan, Jack, and Ryan, whose audience are listening to this, no, they just want to know, can they go to McDonald's and get a, a Big Mac and and buy Ethereum tomorrow? You know, no one is interested in how topologic collapse occurs on your skin. And then, Tristan, let's talk about this. The skin is the largest organ on the body. It's on the exterior and it interacts with the environment. Isn't that what we're functionally talking about with EMI? Is that not a fundamental issue? And yet, you're the guy, the ele- electrical engineer that knows how fucking engineered that wavefront is to deliver information for who? CTIA. For, for the guys that learned their craft through MKUltra and the CIA. To me, if you're a Bitcoiner and you understand the last five minutes of this podcast, you should probably close your computer now and say, maybe I need to read Marino's book more carefully. Maybe I need to think about this a little bit differently. And stop buying the narrative that's being sold to me, you know, through the thing. And and I think where we are right now, Tristan, COVID, I think, has done a lot of my work for me because I think now people know I haven't even said this on a podcast, but you're the perfect podcast to say it. 
am I clearly saying that I believe 2G, 3G, 4G, and 5G actually makes the vaccine and the effect of the vaccine even worse? The answer is yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Why? What's the virus they engineered? It's called the coronavirus. Does it have a circadian biology tied to it? The answer is it does. Do you know how the vaccine was made? It was made in a lab utilizing DNA plasmids and SV40, which we know is a problem. Do you think that that change has not changed the susceptibility of cells that are now transfected with those things? Do you think anybody's ever going to do that fucking electrical study? Probably not. Why? I'm having a hard enough time after my Ubram and Bobby Kennedy podcast showing the world that Kevin McKiernan and Philip Buchholz are fucking champions by doing this study. You're bringing the next layer on. Is the environment that we've built, is this a fuse that nobody's even talking about yet? For all the people that complied and rolled their sleeves up, I got to be honest with you, Tristan, you're going to be shocked to hear this. There's more people in that clubhouse room that rolled their fucking sleeve up so they could travel. And, and they own Bitcoin. So think about this. They basically just made the same mistake the fucking Steve Jobs made. Yeah. Yeah. I think it all makes sense. And, and you outlined that on a few podcasts um, before even COVID happened. And, and and we know it's all a mitochondrial dysfunctional threshold at the end of the right. day. And I it wrote is. about that and myocarditis and, and why pe- even if they did get jabbed, I mean, guys, like you can heal and get in a better state. But yeah, it, it all makes sense. And I think the, the when you talk about the skin being kind of like a topological insulator as well, one thing I wanted to ask is about the jump conduction piece, because this is obviously pretty, it's really interesting. And my question is, is it just because of the higher energy uh, frequencies of 5G that you think is causing this and you no. know, it's the right storm? Or, or maybe you could talk about that a little bit, because that's one I, I haven't wrapped my head around quite well. I, I think it's multifactorial. I think even it's caught them by surprise when they first started testing like 5G in New York. They had, uh, if you've ever been to New York, right at 59th Street and 5th Avenue, across from the Plaza Hotel, they had a horse get electrocuted when they were testing. It made the front page of all the newspapers there. No one could figure it out. And I think it's a multifactorial effect. I don't think it's just higher energies. I actually think it's the way uh, the wavefront is engineered to connect with you know RFID chips so they can control the internet of things. And I think when they realized that that biologic effect could be, you know, through the bottom of a horse's foot that had a metal horseshoe on it that stepped on another piece of metal. Uh, that's an issue. Why? Because remember, horses have horseshoes and walk on the metal of New York. That's not something humans do. But what happens when they touch a lamppost? What happens when they touch, I don't know, um, uh, a button to change the light to cross the street? If people start dropping dead in the middle of major American cities, of electrocution, people are going to start asking questions. So I think what they did is they re-engineered the wavefront so things like that would be less likely to happen. And I think if you look at the response of Verizon, AT&T on big uh, communities, they changed their tack in places like Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue. They, They had the repeaters on the buildings. And then what they did is they changed it. They put them on the roofs of all the millionaires' houses. And they started to run that process there. So now the richest people in the world have the biggest risk because you have you know massive antennas on Central Park West and Fifth Avenue. And believe it or not, I happen to have some members who own some of those apartment buildings. And I warned them 
probably seven, eight, nine years ago, people who lived in those apartments would succumb to some unusual diseases. So who are two of those people that I'll mention to you? Anthony Bourdain and uh, the chick that sells the purses. Paid spade, right? Yeah. Got it. And guess what? Um, my member at that time's dad owned one of those buildings and he confirmed for us that they had just installed uh, 80 gigahertz antenna that was pointed towards the Whitestone Bridge because they had to take all the repeaters off the building uh, after those things happened with the horse that got electrocuted, you know, three blocks, four blocks away. Um, so I think the industry, CTIA, has done a good job of covering their tracks, very similar to what Fauci, Barrick, and uh, Collins are doing right now to try to get deniable plausibility that this virus wasn't in fact manufactured. What I'm saying to you very clearly is that the manufacturing of this virus also is an electromagnetic process, just as the manufacturing of technology that you're an expert in also can be manufactured. The key is there can't be a molecular resonance phenomenon between light waves and things we build. If there is, you're going to see the effect. And if you see the effect, then guess what? Questions come and people start going, what the fuck are we doing? Because the last thing we want people to do is saying, is, is having that microwave oven or that my iPhone in my pocket really a problem? That's the last thing the economy needs right now, especially as fiat money is failing. Yeah, the tech, the trillions of dollars of, of tech industry is the only thing holding up the broken monetary system right now. Well, that's, but that that's, that's the point that the, the reason I can say that to you and you and Ryan get it because you're Bitcoin is you understand yeah. that the jump that I just made, then you begin to say, now I understand why Jack is saying health and wealth are fundamentally late, but you see it from a different perspective now. And this is the reason why the top tech, the top seven tech companies are propping up the house of cards. And the thing is, podcasts like we're doing today, these, these are actually nuclear bombs for their bullshit. And I want people to understand that this story began at the Manhattan Project. When General Groves realized that he could take fiat money and create forever wars and he had to control the science, that's the reason why the Oppenheimer movie came out this summer. You saw that the government basically made him a eunuch, okay? Um, this story, my friend, is recapitulated over and over and over and over. It's the reason why I got on Bobby's case and said, we need medical freedom laws. The only way to stop this, Tristan, is to stop them dead in their tracks. We can't make uh, PI attorneys go after, you know, fucking Motorola and Qualcomm and all that or Apple, because effectively, what are you doing? What does the 1996 FCC law fundamentally say? It says the same thing that the DOD law on the fucking jab says. The DOD was the distribution channel for this. You're going to fucking turn PI attorneys to sue the federal government? Dude, that is like, you know, going to a whorehouse and, and not having a hard dick. It just doesn't make any fucking sense at all. And for someone to come out and say, no, we need to unleash the legal system, dude, the DOJ is captured, okay? And, and it's certainly captured in the FCC, but we need to realize the two places it's captured is in the executive and legislative branch, the only branch that's not captured yet. And this is the reason why they're so pissed at Trump is because he put two people on the Supreme Court that make the ability to capture the third party government much more difficult. And the reason I'm in El Salvador is because I happen to be in a place where 
all three branches aren't captured. They get it. They get it loud and clear. When they hear this podcast and I send it to them, they're not going to be you know, put off by it. They actually want the truth so that they can do the right things by their population. And what my hope is, because our country is captured, guys like you and Ryan or guys like Shapiro or whoever in the future, when you become Bitcoin billionaires, that you change this system for the better, that you listen to the admonitions. Many times when I come on podcasts and I feel like I'm a raving fucking lunatic talking about stuff like this, I'm channeling Eisenhower's farewell speech. That speech to me is the greatest speech ever given by a president. Why? Because he warned us, just like I'm telling you today, I'm okay if the United States federal government tells you guys the truth that the technology they've addicted to you is fucking harming you. They do that, and then you have a choice of informed consent to still do it or not. Or, you know, then you'll understand why Anjan faced all the, the headwinds that he did in Silicon Valley. They don't want their fucking monopoly blown up. That's the reason why fucking Bill Gates is trying to block the sun, dude. All this shit begins to make sense when you understand EMF from this perspective, because it's in everything, Tristan. There's not a story that we could talk about that it's not in. Think about even Bitcoin. Oh, well, the use of Bitcoin and electricity is going to boil the oceans off the planet. What kind of fucking bullshit thinks like this? But guess what? 99% of the people that are using fiat, they're obedient idiots because they've got blue screen technology. Most, most Bitcoiners don't even realize they're obedient idiots. They may own Bitcoin. They got one thing right, but they got their biology completely wrong. Yeah, my mission has been really to get more Bitcoiners and more health people connected into the whole lens. But something you just mentioned that's a good transi- transition is the CO2 thing, right? Because I've heard you talk about that the real cause is this third Van Allen belt. And that's something that it totally made sense to me because about six, seven months ago, I realized that at a certain frequency level, um, we're actually just bouncing these RFs around, you know, the atmosphere, the ionosphere, oh, the magnetosphere. California. Yeah. That's and that place Southern California has Gavin Newsom because they don't realize everybody who lives there is a fucking idiot. They're chronically yeah. hypoxic. And, yeah. you know, I, I mentioned this to a kid I did a podcast with just, uh, I think, a couple of days ago while I was here. And I'll say it to you guys. Can you imagine if the world wakes up to realize that when primates, when humans, meaning homo sapiens, evolved, from the Andathols and primates from that tree. Do you know that CO2 levels are at 2,000 uh, parts per million? And now we're at 420 and everybody thinks we're going to fucking die. In fact, it turns out the opposite is true. We go too low, that actually is a problem for us. Um, so I actually made a comment to these two guys. They're two uh, Vikings. I had already done a podcast with them, but I did a podcast with yesterday. I said, you guys need to go cut some trees down and burn some fucking fires. You know, make infrared sauna so that we can have more CO2. I said, we need more CO2, not less CO2. And, you know, when you say that on a podcast, everybody looks at you, this guy is nuts. But you don't realize that when we evolved two to six million years ago, CO2 levels were four times what they are today. If you want to talk about EMF mitigation products that actually work, you want to talk about EMF Safe. EMF Safe makes a power kill switch that can be installed in your power distribution panel that is safe and convenient and works via a remote control to kill the power to specific circuits of your choosing in your home. This is really important and effective in terms of EMF mitigation because it eliminates the source of EMFs by cutting the power. This is a perfect product 
to have if you really want to improve your sleep quality and your body's ability to restore and repair from the day's damage. EMF safe can be configured to just cut the power in a specific circuit or bedroom and leave the more important areas of your house that are powering things like your refrigerator, your heating, your air conditioning on. This is the one product I would say is worth spending money on and EMF safe is there to support you in terms of installation and so am I if you have any questions via email. EMF safe also makes a body voltage kit that I use to measure my exposure to electric fields in my environment. You can go to liveemfsafe.com and use code DRADIO10 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's D-R-A-I-D-I-O 10 at checkout to get a small discount at liveemfsafe.com. Yeah, it's it's wild and, and it totally makes sense. And I remember reading The Invisible Rainbow, again, as you said, like the virus, the sickness connection is all electromagnetically related. And something that's also happened a lot since you talked about this on a few podcasts four years ago is that Starlink and like the satellites in our app or above our planet is like completely gone through the roof. And my sister has Starlink, you know, it's a very big thing in like rural places like Wyoming where I live. And I'm very concerned. And I don't know if you've talked about this, but I know you don't like it. And that's in the gigahertz realm as well. But, you know, what are all these satellites? Like, how is that affecting everything? It's just adding on to the entire, you know, electro smog cloud, right? you're, You're the electrical engineer. What I expect you to do after this podcast is I want you to do a podcast with a hardcore physicist and say, let's look at the frequency spectrum that Neuralink's looking at. And you know what you'll find? Between 60 and 80 gigahertz, go take a look at what happens to molecular oxygen in the atmosphere, then get back with me. Remember what I said to you in this podcast? That fundamentally, that every single non-AVNF, what does it cause? Pseudohypoxia. So let me ask you a question. If we make oxygen less common in the atmosphere, do you think that's a good or a bad thing for things with mitochondria? Yeah, that's very bad. All right. So why am I functionally going to tell you that I have a problem with centralized technologists like Elon Musk? I don't think Musk is a bad guy. I just don't think he's thought through everything that he's doing. Okay. And do I think it makes any sense to send a fucking rocket to Mars? No, it's a fucking geopathic stress zone. That's like saying, hey, I want to go live in Las Vegas. Anybody who fucking lives in Las Vegas functionally is an idiot. Why? It's a desert. It's got no water. It's got poor magnetism. No, you can do it just like you need to eat a coconut in Boston on December 31st, but that doesn't make it fucking right. And that's the point that I try to make to people. We can do a lot of things as humans because we have frontal lobes that allow us to break nature's laws. That's not the question I'm bringing here to four. I'm asking you uh, to answer a more fundamental thing. Why do you want to live in an environment that you're not optimized to? That's the real question. Yeah, I the Mars thing blows my mind. And yeah, I've actually looked at that one study that says like 98% of ox- oxygens absorb at 60 gigahertz, which is a very strange graph actually. So um, if anyone looks wants to look that up, they can Google that. And there's like another peak at, at 150. But the transition, the last you know technical aspect is, I mean, we know we can engineer better technology. Like this isn't that hard, especially like you're saying, if we know that, you know, 60 to 80 hertz, like let's avoid that. We can do that. And then there's a big dip at, you know, 90 hertz, for example, or 90 gigahertz. But something that I'm really concerned about, and I've read a couple of the early papers on, is 6G, because then we're pushing to the infrared spectrum and the visible light spectrum 
And if you want to talk about electromagnetic interference, then coupled with the fact that this is a higher energy wavelength and completely, you know, disrupting what we're supposed to be absorbing, I can't even imagine the chaos on a photon to electron interaction level. Yeah, well, it, that also is the the frequency of light that we operate on the most. And yeah. you have to realize our most significant red light chromophores are in mitochondria. Like anything that has the word heme in it, it's a red light chromophore and two proven otherwise. So that means hemoglobin. Most people don't even know that the cytochromes in mitochondria, one through five are all red light chromophores. You know what else they don't know? The P450 system that detoxes everything in your liver also heme-based. You know what else people should remember? How do you make heme? First step occurs in the mitochondrial matrix. So, dude, you get to 6G and you are you are taking apart Mother Nature evolutionary recipe at a fundamental level. So, this is where I think engineering maybe is acting like the asteroid to the T-Rex. And I ask really smart people to think about stuff like this, but you have to realize, Tristan, there is maybe a hundred people in the world that truly understand what I just said to you and what you just asked. I get it loud and clear. It's the question that every engineer should have in the back of their mind before they build anything, but that's not how engineers are designed to think. How do I know that? Because my son's a fucking engineer. I know the training that he had. And I think when you really think about thermodynamics. Most engineers I know, they know first, second, and third law really good. You know what law they tend to shit the bet on? The fourth law. That's dissipative systems controlled by some of the work of Arenas. You look at Arenas's ideas for the fourth law, that's really where quantum thermodynamics really begins. That's, that's knocking on the door the question you just asked me. When you start fucking with red light frequencies, I think you're opening up Pandora's box. And do I think already we've done that? Do I think some red light manufacturers have actually caused more harm and not realized they caused the harm? In fact, I think it's quite possible that's the case. Um, and yes, I am very worried about the steps past 5G. I think 6G is already being worked on, at least experimentally in the United States, but the place that's been rolled out already is in parts of China. So pay attention so what happens in China? Yeah, I mean, I, I just learned a bunch of math, really, like five years of hardcore complex math. That's what, that's what I learned. And I realized when you're that siloed, like I've I've read all the debates on like grounding and, and maybe we can get into that a little bit. And, um, you know, just EMFs and all, the smartest people in the traditional centralized paradigm, they just are so siloed that they actually don't know. And they'll just say, well, an electron is an electron. And I'm like, oh, my God. So not... Not really the the thought we need. I I want to talk to more physicists, and I think we need to do a better job of you know bringing them over. But it's it's hard. So you got to get them to buy Bitcoin first. And yeah. I think if you, them, if you teach physicists decentralization and money, and they get that, then start. Let's start talking about decentralization in science, uh, because functionally that's what physics really is the the study of. In fact, I think quantum mechanics is fully decentralized. That that's the science of nature. I think a lot of the stuff that's masquerading right now is is physics, like cosmology, that is total pseudoscience. It's most of it is non-falsifiable. But the problem is, if you were to have that discussion with uh, Neil Tyson de Grey or or the other jackass like uh, Brian Moore, 
Oh Brandon those guys, yeah, they would they would fight back on that. But you have to realize something. This is the cool part, Tristan. That I would say, I'm not going to see this maybe in my life, but I think you, Ryan Shapiro, you guys have billions of dollars. Those cocksuckers are going to come to you someday for funding. And you know what you could say to them? It's high time since you're not feeding on the tit of the government anymore that you're going to start studying stuff our way. Ultimately, do I hope? that in my son's lifetime, that happens. Because the truth be told, if you want to know where my passion comes from, I am madder than hell at the industrial military and healthcare complex. Why? The industrial healthcare complex has allowed science to be captured and the industrial military complex knew exactly what they were doing. They learned the lesson in World War II and they are doing what they do. I don't hold them um, culpable. Why? Because just like I don't think a great white shark is wrong for eating a baby seal, what do soldiers do? They fight wars, okay? And all they care about is fighting wars. And this is the reason why they love fiat money, because without fiat money, you don't fight a war. And this is the reason why this podcast is going to be a full frontal assault on certain people. Like, for example, I think Jason Lowry is one of the best Bitcoiners out there because now he's the new version of of a soldier, and I guarantee you, he's going to face some of the same opposition that Anjan faced in Silicon Valley. Why? Because you're looking into the belly of the beast and you're kind of trying to take their monopoly away that they've had, you know, for 75 years. I mean, just remember, these guys went so far as to put a bullet in JFK, Martin Luther King, and Bobby Kennedy's dad, you know, so that they continue their way of life. I have no fucking illusions that Jason Lowry is going to have a a real hard time dealing with the the DOD with his sophomore book. But do I think every Bitcoiner needs to read it and read what he's saying? Absolutely. Do I think every American needs to read it and realize what he's saying? Because functionally, what we said in this podcast, not only f- you f- spills out into Becker's work, to St. George's work, to Pollock's work, to Ling's work, to my work, but it falls directly into physics, quantum mechanics, everything. It, 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 it is based in what's in the white paper, what Satoshi put. But we need people that have good brains that are not being destroyed by catabolic computers to understand this. I need those links to be made. Guys like you have to keep this fucking torch going and keep pushing the envelope. Don't, don't give them a fucking itch. You saw what happened when we gave them an inch during COVID. Now all these poor bastards have to worry about getting their redox up high so that they don't get the side effects from the jab. You know, and, you know, I just posted something today on Twitter that you can look at some amazing bodybuilder that looked like he had the body of, you know, David's uh, Michelangelo dead from the jab, you know, and, and here we were all sold the bill of goods that people that were fat, obese and diabetes, those were the people that died from COVID. Turns out young males that are fit are the ones that are getting fucking popped. Why? Because they were compliant. Guess what the real problem was? Not your metabolism is that you were compliant with the government's ideas, okay? And remember, they're the same guys creating the bioweapons and the technology. Just think about that for a minute. That's like shooting fish in a barrel. This yeah, is everything I, Thomas Jefferson warned us about. Yeah, it's all connected. That's why I really, to me, I, I don't understand why people can't see the whole, the whole perspective, the whole picture, but we'll get them there. So, and that's it. Yeah. The mitochondrial issues and they're working out under blue light. I love when you say that stuff, but the other thing I want to get into is just like what people can do, right? Like we're, 
maybe we're convincing some people that EMFs are really the most pervasive environmental toxin, which I think they are, and they need to be protected. It's a fucking wild west out there in terms of what you can do and the nuance in this space as well. Um, let's start I with gr- grounding. I, grounding, I, first off. I think it, you and I are doing the best thing you can do. Be outside yeah. or using technology. Uh, grounding obviously helps. I mean, people need to understand the basics of grounding. It's not that hard to get. Uh, how hard it is to take your fucking shoes off. Like, just think about this. If you want to see how much the centralized paradigm is fucked you, try to go buy a pair of leather sole shoes anywhere in the United States right now. They make sure that they all cost $1,000. So guess what? The elites stay protected, but the common man gets fucking French fried because he thinks, you know, sneakers with rubber soles are good. That there, Therein lies an issue. But, you know, people don't think about it. Just the same way you see me being provocative on Twitter when I say, why do you think they don't lock up fucking uh, sunblock in pharmacies when they know guys are going for the Oxycontin? Because they hope they steal the sunblock to give it out to you because eventually they'll make the money back because people that put sunblock on will need drugs later on in their life. Dude, it's the same story. Anything they can do to block you from nature, they win. It's the house wins. This is the same game the mafia figured out with casinos the problem is it's your job your job is the gambler to realize that what you're hearing on this podcast from three decentralized dudes isn't conspiracy theory it's fucking fact you think there's any harm and grounding in high emf areas nowadays you already know that answer come on we talked about the damn horse on by the plaza the answer is yes if you got a lot of underground power cables around you and you don't know where they are. I mean, Tristan, let me ask you this question. In Wyoming, compared to where you are now in Austin, do you think it's more safe to ground in Wyoming, even though it's higher latitude, than Austin? Uh, Yeah, of course. Okay, see, it took you literally three nanoseconds (laughs) to decide that. Why? Because, you know, there's way more power lines under the ground in Austin, even though it's lower latitude. Most people, Tristan, don't even know that lower latitude, like the effect here on the beach, I've already taught my members this. You come to the beach on, in August and you see the lightning storms, you'll notice that the lightning storms hit the lava tubes. All the lightning hits it. I said, so the next day after a lightning storm, you go out and stand on the black sand beach, you're getting unbelievable amounts of grounding. And you know how you can prove it? You'll sleep like a fucking rock star that next night. So guess what? All of them went down there and did it. And I said, okay, now when you go home to New York City, tell me how it's working. Yeah, the effect's not the same. I said, imagine that. Physics actually works, okay? Yeah, I think, what, 70% of the storms are in between 30 north and south. But here right. or Wyoming, we got we got geothermal, too. We got, we got a good, well, strong... You know, that changes the mix. That's why I'm a yeah. big fan of El Salvador. Why? Because we've yep. got volcanoes. You know, when you have a super volcano, which Wyoming and Montana have underneath it, uh, that that is a net benefit to grounding, you know, uh, it's obvious. That's how you can change the effect of latitude. But most people that will listen to this podcast don't even know that basic electrical engineering of how mammals work. That's the sad part. That's the reason I say I think it's uh, perfect that Bitcoin City is being built at the 13th North Latitude right next to a volcano. I, I have actually told the administration that down here, but I don't think guys like Max and Stacy even know that that benefit's there. And I got to show you something just since you're here. To show you how powerful the story is to me, my Bitcoin mural just got done. I want you to take a look. Let me turn this around so you can see it. That's this badass. Just, this was just finished a couple of days ago, but I want you to look at the top. What, what's on the top up there? Is it the waves? Oh. Ocean? 
Or no, that's a volcano. Okay. Sorry, it's a volcano. Bitcoin city below it. But Bitcoin city below it. Why? Because I told some of the administration was here a couple of days ago that uh, that that's the freedom wall. That's what a government does. Um, if you want to call him a dictator, you can. But let me just tell you something. When government returns freedom back to you in money and health, dude, you got to give them plus five. And in my view, I think that that's the reason why this is ground zero for Bitcoin. Not because we, they were the first, because they're controlled by a group of politicians who are doing exactly the opposite of the politicians in the United States. They are giving freedom back to the people, not taking it away. And I think, what am I saying about EMF to you clearly? EMF is just another way the government has stolen from us through inflation, except the inflation this time is through our health, okay? And they did it without legislation. Um, I shouldn't say that. The FCC law in 96 was a, a fuck job, but remember, captured, and it was a big handout to CTIA. The key thing is, is most of you kids now are tied into that. You have the Bitcoin thing. So you ask me, don't think I didn't forget about your question. What do we do? We need to use the inverse square law, teach people about the inverse square law and use it. Do I want people to think supplements or shit that David Sinclair is trying to sell you about NAD or, you know, fucking stupid machines, molecular hydrogen machines or Schumann resonators or all that bullshit? It is bullshit. Okay. It's designed for people that are fiat farming on you, don't do that. Find a better place. Use your Bitcoin. If, if you're going to spend Bitcoin, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think you going to a better place to protect your health is a wise choice of your Bitcoin. And I'll tell you why. Time is the most valuable asset we have, not our Bitcoin. And a lot of Bitcoiners don't functionally understand that, but it's the truth. And I try to tell people on podcasts, that Steve Jobs is your lesson. What good is having $9 billion and dying at 56 years old? So if you have to peel off, I don't know, say a million dollars to go buy a place in a good spot, say four or five years from now, because like Ryan said, he's worried about his two-year-old niece. And maybe when he buys his Citadel, you know, in a place like down here, for the two weeks that his, his little niece comes when she's six years old then, and she says to her mom, Hey mom, I feel better here than I did at home. Can I can I come visit Uncle Ryan more? Then Ryan's going to say, you know what, that was fucking money well spent. I totally agree. It's truly fascinating too, and I think you get a better scope when you understand the story that you sort of laid out for us on the podcast and previous podcasts many times over. I think you've done a really good job of laying it out, like the whole story of how we got here. And I think the military industrial complex and the healthcare complex intertwined. You like you have to understand that story to get the scope of what all of this means for you now in 2023, because it's not something that happened in 2020 when COVID happened, like 2020 was building for decades and decades. And so it's so fascinating. And when it comes to things like sunlight and melanin, we know they're super important. We've had people like uh, Herrera on the podcast sort of talk about that a little bit. Um, and one thing I was asking you, you kind of already answered it as far as like, part of what you do is like when, when I think about where I'm at in Salt Lake City, Utah, I lived in LA for several years and I knew it was sucking something out of me. I felt terrible. Um, I developed my own autoimmune disease while I was there living in a ground floor apartment, just like surrounded by all this junk. And I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. And that's where it goes back to, I think people, they feel the things, but they don't have the context to describe the true nature of what's truly happening behind the screen. Right, that's what makes my job tough. You want to yeah. know the truth? Because you know what? With non-native EMF, you can't see it, taste it, smell it, or touch it. it. And that's the reason why 
like you and Tristan are important. Like keep banging the drum. Like I, the thing that makes me feel good about spending, you know, this hour and a half with you guys is that I think the Bitcoiners are going to listen to guys like you. I think there is ageism in Bitcoin. You guys know that, that most of you guys hate fucking boomers. The ironic thing, I actually said this to Shapiro in front of Bukele the other night, that don't fucking forget, boomers are the one that built all the shit that you're addicted to. You know, we're the ones that knew all of this technology. And we also know the detriments. The thing is, you guys don't know the detriments. And I want you to know the detriments so that you can hack for a better future. I'm not trying to tell people that I think technology is going by the wayside. I think that's, you know, fruitless. But I think, is there a better way for us to do it? And do I think when you guys are fabulously wealthy, as British HODL likes to tell people, I hope that you spend some of your money building a better world, you know, so that the things that we're using to communicate with each other, because, you know, let's face it, we're on, you know, the internet right now, we're all got screens in front of us. That alone is a problem. I mean, me and Ryan are mitigating because we're outside. You're trying to mitigate it with your glasses and the red light behind you. But ultimately, we all know that that's not enough based on what we just said in the first hour and a half. I think all of us are in agreement in that. What I don't want to see is I don't. I just don't want to see my kids grow up in a world where they die at 40 or 50 years old, fabulously wealthy like, like um, Steve Jobs. If that happens, dude, I feel like my legacy is fucking screwed. Yeah, I think... Yeah, the the really the determination for us is to just empower people through education and, and build a community. And that's what I'm trying to do in Wyoming. And I think that's where you get some real momentum because a lot of this, there's people who you know are following, but it can be very isolating. And social media is a detriment, but it is a tool in that regard. And, and that's what we've been using it for. But I want to ask you really quick about something that's kind of out there. And we've had a, a guy on the podcast talking about it. And that's... Uh, that's scalar waves. Do you give any attention to this as something that, you know, through the work of Nikola Tesla, or do you think that was all, this is all nonsense? Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to answer this as politically correct as I can, which is ironic for That's, me. Yeah, well, that is weird. Um, I hold every single possibility as a possibility. Why? Because Heisenberg taught me that lesson. Quantum mechanically, everything is possible. Now, is it high probability that scalar waves are a big issue? No, I don't believe it is based on what we know to be true today. Now, here's my caveat. Remember that the truth is an approximation of the data we have today. So could new data come in down the road and change my opinion from what it is right now? I'm telling you I'm open to that possibility, but I can say to you and your audience right now, I don't think scalar waves are a big problem in the non-native EMF world. And I think if you're trying to mitigate non-native EMF via the scalar wave ideas, I think you're being fiat farmed by someone. You know, you're talking to somebody who's shilling Ethereum, Doge, you know, shit coining ideas. To me, I just I can't get behind that. But no, I'm not willing to go all the way to the end and say they're total fucking idiots snake oil salesman, because it's quite possible that in the future, we can be shown something new. But right now, based on what I know, based on what I've read, I'm not, I'm not a buyer, dude. 
Yeah, I, I kind of have the same perspective. I'm trying to be, you know, again, you don't know what you don't know. And there's so much where we barely even. Yeah. Stunning Boomer 101. And you, you do want to protect yourself from that. But I, I will tell you that my whole modus operandi and the way I think is really comes from nature. That's why I'm perfectly okay with extinction events. I'm okay with bad people being taken out by funerals. Um, and I think, you know, bad ideas also getting taken to the woodshed by paradigm change. All of that stuff is how nature operates. And I feel the same way about, you know, the scalar wave thing. I mean, I'll, I'll sit down and talk to somebody and listen to them. But if I functionally don't believe it, I don't believe it. I just went through the same thing at, in Lisbon with a guy who, you know, worked in Obit who was trying to convince me that their idea around Ethereum and this and that was a good idea. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of glad my friend Sam Parker with Zorp is in that space going to teach the shitcoiners a lesson about how Bitcoin fixes this problem. Yeah. And and like you say, if you can actually explain how it's fundamentally working, it's pseudoscience. And that's how I feel about scalar waves. That's how I feel about the harmonizers. And I talked to, you know, Gaetan Chevalier is a grounding expert uh, last week. And he said he's tested like 99% of all those pendants, harmonizers, bullshit. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And yeah, it, like you said, if you're going to spend your money, uh, spend your money on on moving somewhere or uh, we like EMF safe. We had them on. You're actually eliminating the power source. The You're cutting the circuit. So obviously that works. And then distance works as well. So just think um, about what you said. We take it back to the beginning of the podcast. When you cut the circuit, what do you do? You're effectively protecting your biologic semiconductors from thermal damage. Yeah. Elimination is is the best the best way to go about it, I would say. Yeah, until we know until we know more. I think the science of of that work that we're talking about right now, I think we're still in the first inning. I, I don't even I think oh, yeah. two outs in the first inning. I think we need to do more. And I do agree with both of you guys that Bitcoiners are going to be the one that study this. Why? Because they're going to have all the money in the future. Well, that's kind of when I want to start and start funding this. And it's actually funny because a lot of the like the research I found a research paper, and this is where I learned about um, EMFs affecting proton tunneling and hydrogen bond angles. Is yep. they were using EMF as a treatment, and they they said that like an EMF in a specific dose. Obviously, it wasn't chronic; it was just like a couple hours, specific frequency, increased proton tunneling ability. Um, but you know, that's I. So, it's you know, kind of that it's playing with fire, right? As you're saying, yeah. proton tunneling controls how enzymes work. Don't forget that. Think about yeah. that for. There's, there's another failure vector, you know, that we didn't talk about in the whole podcast, but right here at the end, you get another, you know, taste of honey on your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting and yeah, it's going to take some work. So that's what we're working on. You're working on building a decentralized healthcare system, I believe in El Salvador and just spreading the message as well. Is is there any way, and what's the, I guess, what's the the TLDR and the, the laptops and stuff that's going to be publicly available sometime next year? It's, it's actually publicly available now. I wrote okay. a Patreon blog yesterday about it. Uh, there's a, a special code, but I, I mean, I'm done putting it behind paywalls. I was asked to do that by the guy who built it because they're all freaked out that their tech is going to get out there. But you go to Daylight Computer, dot com you can get in there it'll ask you a password the password is cruise all in big caps 2023 put your order in i was the one that first ordered it uh i i want to get five or six of them because what do i want to do i want to do what ryan said i want to give it to people that i'm worried about uh people that don't really understand this you know i have uh i have four kids 
two of which, well, one of which who gets it, three of which are fucking clueless. All of them are potential Bitcoin billionaires. And all the things that I told you guys about, I'm worried about them. And I need them to begin to use this type of computer. Because like I said, this is the first step in decentralization. Hopefully every doctor in El Salvador will begin to use this to protect their brain so they can take care of people. I want to build a decentralized um, science area down here that hopefully big Bitcoiners will fuel and fund so that we can start doing some of the mitochondrial research that we talked about. I think it's best to be done here. And I think the hospitals that I want to build here, they're going to be radically different than the hospitals that you guys see in the States. They're going to be built with a lot of the principles that we talked about here. And I think when you become the example for the rest of the world, that's how you do things. I learned that when I was a young boy from the work of Gandhi. He said, instead of bitching and moaning, become the change that you want to see in the world. So guess what? I don't think I can do this change in my home country, but I think the idea of America is not defined by our borders. It's defined by our documents. And I think the documents that are so important to us are being, how shall we say, hardened by the government of Bukele. And to me, that means this place versus our home country is probably the place where we should put the citadel for decentralized healthcare. Yeah, I totally agree. You kind of need to prove the concept as well. And then you also need to, I realize you need to give people an alternative because if they don't have an alternative that's better for them, they're just going to keep doing the same thing that's terrible instead of just eliminating it or you know mini minimizing the use of it. So that's fantastic. Yeah, well, Ryan and I, I think we want to get down to El Salvador next year. So really excited to check it out. I'm also talking to a few big Bitcoiners this week in Austin. So I'm definitely going to communicate this message. And yeah, just really excited about everything you're building. And we're all learning together still, which is so incredible. Awesome. It was good talking with you guys. Thanks so much for coming on, Dr. Cruz. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Decentralized Radio. We'll see you next time. Wow. What an epic conversation with Dr. Jack Cruz, Ryan and I just had. He really is at the forefront of health and intersections of physics, biology, chemistry, and everything above. We are electromagnetic beings, so I think this podcast on EMFs is extremely important for people to understand how to achieve optimal health in a modern world. If this podcast went way over your head, don't fret. Ryan and I will be debriefing this episode in a few weeks live on Decentralized Radio, so make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe on YouTube, and if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a thumbs up on YouTube and five-star reviews on Spotify and Apple. That really helps us get pumped up in the algorithm and keeps us cranking out high-quality episodes on all things decentralization. If you have any guest recommendations, don't hesitate to reach out to Ryan or myself on social media or via email. Now, if that's not enough, you can check out my EMF 101 course, a brand new course on the decentralized health platform that has over six and a half hours of educational content so you can actually understand electromagnetic fields, their impact on our health, and how to mitigate them in your house, your environment to protect yourself and your loved ones. EMF 101 will offer a 10% discount code to all those listening to this podcast. That is CRUS10 at checkout, K-R-U-S-E 10 at checkout at decentralizedhealth.io. You can get an even bigger discount if you pay in Bitcoin. And don't forget, 
that 25% of all sales from this course are going to be donated into the decentralized health fund, which will be put into Bitcoin and eventually donated to researchers and labs that are not getting the funding from NIH to study important decentralized health topics. I'm really excited for this platform to grow and to empower more individuals to take control of their health. This is what it's all about. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Decentralized Radio. We will see you next time.